You are listening to the Foamy Heads Podcast, where we discuss craft beer and anything else that accompanies a glass. Welcome back for to another episode of the Foamy Heads. I'm already messing it up. I haven't, you haven't even drank even drink yet. yet. <laughs> <laughs> On the way down here, you know, we had a good few hour trip, and overall, pretty solid trip. No issues, nothing. Yeah. And uh, I am super excited to say that we are at Monday night. The Brewing. home base? The I don't know what base. it's called. They've got two different locations. They've got the garage, which we've also been to, mm-hmm. which was super pimp. It's kind of just easy, chill, relaxing place. And the the main location Monday night, which we're sitting here this afternoon, I guess. This, I don't even know what time it is. Two o'clock? I guess it's two o'clock now. Yeah. It's been a wild ride, but Atlanta's not a bad drive from, mm-hmm. from Nashville. We got here in about four hours. Yep. Had a little bit of a weird morning, but we ended up making it and landed in the back room with our special guest today and we are surrounded by delicious beer beer. (laughs) it's going to be a great time and uh we are honored to be hosted by peter and i hope i don't butcher your last name kylie that's correct you nailed it got it peter first try first try yeah (laughs) usually i'm just terrible (laughs) about pronouncing names but, uh, you know, something new I didn't know about you before is that you used to make wine. Oh, yeah. How long did that last? I've been a winemaker longer than I've been a beer maker. Oh. I know. I started that as a young man, but <laughs> I don't know how deep down that rabbit hole you want to go. <laughs> we're here for it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm kind of interested. I know we're going to be talking about, you know, the different beers and stuff today. But yeah. one of the things I really am interested in is in how that turned from wine into beer making oh the mistakes we make in life <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> well if you won't go ahead and just give us a little spiel about yourself oh wow where to begin um well my name is peter kiley as you appropriately said um i am one of the co-owners of monday night brewing and i'm also a brewmaster mm-hmm. um i've been here since 2013 when we opened the doors um i have worked every job on the way up um, I had never made beer prior to working here. Really? This is the only brewery I've ever worked at. Yeah. Um, I came on board as a, as a unpaid box builder. Oh. Back on our first packaging day of Drafty Kilt, our first packaging day of Fu Man Brew, Patch Ale, all the old ones. And then um, just worked my way up um, through the company throughout the years. Um, you know, like I said, I think genuinely every job, you know, came on as packaging assistant and then assistant brewer and then brewer and then lab director and brewer and then lab director brewer and barrel program director and He's then kept adding things to the list and then head brewer <laughs> and then uh yeah and then i guess back in 2018 brewmaster so very nice yeah this is, this is my this is my beer home that's been a good journey yeah it's, it's ups and downs okay. like they all do but um clearly i'm happy to be here <laughs> what's the for uh, it's a stupid question as a guy that doesn't it's not ingrained into the industry no pun intended but yeah. <laughs> um what is the you you mentioned you went from head brewer to brewmaster 
obviously there's a difference in the step up in those. I mean, what are kind of some of the differences between the head brewer and the brewmaster in terms of like everyday job responsibilities? I imagine obviously you oversee a lot more as the brewmaster, but what are the differences between head brewer and brewmaster? That's a really good question. I mean, I don't think that there is a defined answer within the industry. Sometimes titles are used to help just understand the internal hierarchy. Um, For me, in my experience, when I was head brewer, I was very much so around the ideas of process methodology, trying to maximize yields, kind of like the way I would think of a brewmaster's job. But back then, it was kind of what I needed to be based off the team that we had. And um, also just being responsible for managing the brewers and then the seller team, et cetera. Um, So as a head brewer, you're really much more like, you know, in the trenches with your team. You're really out there every single day putting it in, making wort, helping out in the cellar, packaging, whatever it is. And then as I've ushered myself into this role of brewmaster, it's kind of been more about being responsible and accountable for all the liquid that we make across our, you know, four facilities in three states. And um, then it's, you know, of course, the unfun things like Excel spreadsheets and being in front of the computer. But um, Microsoft. That's my world (laughs) as a data guy. That's the stuff I get off on. But but still, (laughs) as like as as head brewer, I did a lot less design, too. You know, like. Hmm. I remember some of my first beers that I ever designed was probably around 2016. So you got to think, you know, like it was kind of fun at the time. Like we didn't really make a lot of different unique beers back in the day. We kind Mm. of really just focused on building a brand that was strong in quality and extremely strong in consistency. Mm. But um, we also started off really cold. You know, I think craft was supposed to be exciting and we kind of just focus on some things because being in a three-tiered state, we sell to a distributor, right? Yeah. So like, we just need to focus on establishing a business because Georgia's a very unfriendly <clears throat> state to start a brewery. Huh. Of course, the laws have changed over time and everything, but so now as brewmaster, I, I get to do a lot of things that I always wanted to do. Like I get to not only just fully wrap my head around all the liquid we make, but I design everything. And then oh. I lead our innovation team, which is put together by our head brewer, Ryan, and then our Birmingham brewer, Jordan Harvell, and then our wood cellar manager at the garage, Tim McDonald. And um, so now it's just kind of like, I there's there's no more secrets. You know, like I think that as you work your way up, there's always things you're not aware of. Um, but now I I know it all about- <laughs> That doesn't what, exist in your own about, right? about what we do here. And um, it's definitely different. You know, we, we use this model not to go too deep into like Six Sigma stuff, but um, mm. it's called RACI, you know, mm-hmm responsible, accountable, consulted, informed. Yep. Um, so I find myself, of course, ultimately accountable for all of our liquid. And I find myself responsible for a lot of different aspects, how we make our liquid, why we make our liquid, what liquid we make. But then, of course, just also like being consulted and informed with all these other different teams. I work within marketing. I work within sales as well. So it's just a lot more and I personally love it because as someone that possesses an immense amount of ADHD <laughs> I love the stimuli so I know it's like what can I, I go do today <laughs> what else can we go do you know, Peter gets to control the chessboard basically yeah well, something like that sometimes something like that that's awesome I didn't I didn't know that I, obviously the the brewmaster kind of has a, a bigger role that what I see is as instead of just working at a single pub or instead of working at a single location whether or not you physically make the beer 
it, you're responsible for everything that comes in and yeah. out. So and there's so much like, you know, whether it's ingredient procurement, hmm. you know, certificates of, of analysis for all of our different things. Like you look at all the, <clears throat> the, the small, small, small details and the big stuff. It goes micro macro. So I, there, there's no real answer. I think that anyone's interpretation of their role is dependent on where they work and who they work with yeah. what do you have to be what do you not have to be depending on who else is doing it so i think it's like my role of brewmaster here is genuinely unique to monday night brewing yeah mm. well as you said it establishes that that tier within the organization within the brewery to say okay I am here, which means I'm responsible to making sure all of this gets happened and make sure people are collaborating and working together. And there is no, maybe, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but a true definition of a brewmaster versus a head brewer. But you said kind of as a way to move yourself up in the ranks to let you know, Hey, this person is responsible for this. And within Monday night brewing, that's what it had to be in order to get that title. Yeah. I'm yeah. just, I'm the one that's held accountable when we have bad beer. <laughs> <laughs> and when you have great beer. No, when we have great beer, that's our team. Oh, okay. When we have bad gotcha. beer, that's Peter. Gotcha. <laughs> that's how well, that works. We seem to have a lot of great beer in front of we us. We do. Well, and that's the team. Yeah, that's yeah. the team. So so typically when we do things like this, Peter, it's it's always we're drinking the same thing and we're talking about the beer, but you guys have so much of a mm. different styles of beers available on tap Mitch has kind of moved to like the, the more of the sour side, the sour tart, you know, Berlin or Weiss side. And I've kind of moved more to the hazy hoppy side of things. So this is a first for us today for the simple fact that we are drinking different beers and we typically have never done that historically. So <laughs> well, we got a lot excited. of similar and we have a lot up. of stuff in front of us too. Peter brought out like five, six different beers that we're all sitting in front of us. So I'm really excited to talk about what's in front of us today. I can't wait to get. I'm already slurring my speech, so I can't oh. wait to make it worse. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are going to suck at this podcast yeah, right? 40, yeah. 45 minutes from now. Shit that early in, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Let's get into it, man. Yeah. What, uh, what, which one are, have you started sipping on? I actually started out with the Life of Illusions Experimental IPA. Mm -hmm. um, 2X New England IPA. I guess this is double IPA. Correct. I haven't, I have, honestly, this is one of those times where I, because I haven't looked into what's available on tap before we got here, mm -hmm. I just know what I wanted to talk to Peter about today. Sweet. I don't really know the ingredients and everything that goes into each one of these beers because I didn't know what I was going to be looking at, but I'm hoping that as I get into this beer, I can kind of break down a little bit what it is, but this one's called uh, an experimental New England IPA. Is that because we were just trying to figure out what works and what doesn't, or was there a process behind it? Always. Um. I would say that we always try to figure out what works and what doesn't. But when you say experimental, it truly has to have an aspect of it that it is experimental. It's yeah. not just a New England IPA. Yeah. Um, so this was a collaboration that we did with um, Brandon with New Image over in uh, Colorado. And the thing that's unique about this beer is that it's a mixed culture, oh. um, New England IPA. So we use a very relatively unknown yeast called Mishnikali River Coffee, which is a wild nectar yeast that has the ability to only attenuate about 20% of available maltose, but as it does that, it also releases glycosidic enzymes that help to break apart the aroma compounds and make it kind of a little bit softer in IBUs as well. So it does a lot of things. So then after that, then we pitch after about 24 hours our main house yeast for our New England. So huh. in that sense, is it's highly experimental. And also Brandon and I um, did a lot of different, I, we probably designed this beer over the course of a month reading through research papers about which hops possess more, you know, 
free versus bound aromatic compounds, terpenes, stuff like this. And so we really just use a lot of different scientific literature in order to discover which hops should be used at what point. So, you know, when we think about this beer, not only is it a mixed culture New England IPA, and in the non-traditional sense, when people think of mixed culture, they're like, oh, it's got to be this and that. I think my interpretation is that if you have a wild and then you have a regular Saccharomyces, then, yeah, it's relatively mixed culture, not like... Yeah. You know, bacteria and yeast, which someone could argue that. But um, so yeah, that's just what makes it different. And when you try it, it's a little bit zippy, it's a little citrusy. The aromas are just nuts, and ultimately, it's it's fucking crushable. It's super good. <laughs> I, I I'm t- and and as stupid as it sounds, I, this is not scripted. I promise. I took a sip of this and I go, oh, bearded iris has an IPA that they use the term zippy on the can, and I go, zippy. I. I don't. I never knew what zippy was, but for whatever reason, when I tasted this beer, and I go, "Oh, that tastes kind of what zippy." I think zippy would taste like, and then zippy. he happened to mention zippy, and I go, "Oh, well, that makes sense." That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but it's super. It's a, it's a beer word. <laughs> it's, a, it's a beer. Okay, I don't. I don't even know what it the hell now. it's supposed to be, it is but it now, is now. Yeah. <laughs> it's super soft, super crushable. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. I'm actually already halfway through it, and I didn't even realize it. I was kind of <laughs> sipping on it. Mitch hasn't even taken a sip of his beer yet. Not yet. I was admiring mm. like your approach. Admiring from afar. <laughs> his approach of drinking it in one sip. In yes. one sip. Maybe two sips. <laughs> one zip sip. One zip sip. In one zip. What are you drinking on, Mitch? So this is the uh, dragon fruit one. The uh, mischief managed with uh, photo fermented. Let's see. Yes, I can tell you all about it if you want Go to. Go for it, because I'm here trying to pull that it up. That is a <laughs> fermented no-boil Berliner Weiss. Then we then um, fruit and ferment the fruit out with dragon fruit and kiwis for that experimental one. And then the one next to it has got raspberries and blackberries. Man, I got both of them here. So I, I hope I'm, I'm going to start with the dragon fruit. I've already sipped it. It's got a nice zing to it. Not zippy, but zing. Not zippy. <laughs> What other beer words can you pair with the sours now? <clears throat> is it sour? Is it tart? Is it yeah, what? It's got, uh, there's a little bit of both. It's not mm-hmm. like overly funky or anything, but mm-hmm. sour typically carries that connotation sometimes with people, sours, but it's definitely <clears throat> got a tartness to it. There is like a, uh, a warhead-like aspect. It's there- c- kind of candy-like to me. I really like it. What was the, there was a, so we met, we met Peter initially at the Monday night preservation society Mm -hmm. soft opening in Nashville, Tennessee, where we were, and we were drinking whatever was on their tap wall. We had stouts, we had IPAs or whatever. And then we got a chance to meet Peter and he was like, Hey, be right back. And you went and grabbed something and I can't remember what it was, but it was a sour anniversary. I can't Mm -hmm. remember what it was, but there are, and this is kind of a a trend on this podcast, but I typically don't go for sour type beers. And when you poured that one, I was a little hesitant to drink it just because not that I'm not interested in stepping outside my comfort zone. I just historically don't go for those kind of beers. Mm. Not only did I like that one, but I actually finished mine before Mitch finished his. <laughs> yeah. And I even made a comment to Mitch. I was like, you know, this is actually not bad. This it's is probably because really I just stared at you the whole time. And I was like, drink. <laughs> I was scared nice. not to yes. drink it. <laughs> Had to have been what it was. It's very intense eye contact for me. <laughs> it usually does it. He's doing the same thing to me right now. <laughs> He's a little scary. Drink just your IPA. At, drink your damn IPA, Richard. It worked before we even started talking. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know I was halfway done with him. I right have now. that way with men. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that's awesome though. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm interested in trying that. I might get, I might see if I can get a, a sample of it or something when we go back out there later. Do you want to sample the raspberry before I get to it? I kind of do. Go for it. All right. I'm going to take a sip. But yeah, these, I saw these posts out on the way down here on social media. So I knew exactly what I was going to get before I left nice. this, this facility. So I'm super happy to be able to be stepping on it now. This is a, yeah, it, I was in the mood for something kind of a, it's a, got a little bit of that candy taste to it. I, I was wanting some sweet. So I guess that's where I'm getting with it. Sweet, a little sour and tart. Yeah, I mean, it's it's relatively not that sweet. So it finishes about 1.8 Play-Doh, but chlorides have a remarkable way of getting things to taste more than they are. But um, well, I'm coming, there, I'm coming off of like a gas station chicken and waffle. So, <laughs> so you've primed your palate. <laughs> There's a bidet over there in case you need to use it, Mitch. I don't think you're going to get to use the VIP poo-poo. No. Not the VIP poo-poo room. VIP poo-poo is reserved for yes. non-gas station meal people. Yeah. <laughs> For the more clean folk, <laughs> people who take care of their bodies. <laughs> Peter, tell us about uh, how's the Preservation Society doing in Nashville? Have you been back since the opening? Have you had a chance to make it back to Nashville? Oh, yeah. um, I, I mean, I personally, am, I, I think I speak for our team here that we're extremely proud of it. Yeah. I think it's so cool to have a place, not that we're just proud of and that it's pretty and that you know it's profitable, but the fact that we have a place that is so well-received and such a, you know, massive cultural epicenter like Nashville mm. and there's already so many great craft breweries and a great craft brewing scene I was like when I went out there for the first time for that week I met y'all um, <clears throat> I was so blown away by just the hospitality that the city showed us um, and so like I look at that place as it's just so promising as we grow outside of our backyard just to be so welcomed, accepted, to be able to contribute in a way that we're also like proud to do, obviously. And I hope that we provide something to the people in Nashville and the state of Tennessee, a place that they can also enjoy. But I think that place is great. And I can't stress how beautiful it is. Like, it's amazing. Like the, the, we, we joked that, you know, they started building our, our tasting room over there back in like 1925 because, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, it's there, there's certain smell. aesthetics you just can't fake. And that yeah. being one of them, you know, just the whole historic preservation aspect of it also really playing into the name and just what we believe in too. Like we don't want to just like, you know, act like locusts in our growth. We want to be able to reclaim space mm -hmm. and whether it's beautify or add our touch to it. But that was one of those opportunities that we were just so fortunate to have. So, I mean, yeah, I love it. It's now, an awesome spot too. Yeah. Do I wish that we had a brew house there already? Absolutely. <laughs> Will we have one soon? Sure. Mm. Okay. So yeah. I'm I'm curious too. I, I don't think I got to ask the question at opening how far back the property goes. If you got the whole whole meat plant or what? But no, I mean so it's uh, it's it's still in flux. But you know that's a that's a massive yeah. undertaking that development they're doing there to revitalize that whole area. I forget how many hundreds of thousands of square feet it is, but um. It's going to be a beautiful addition to Nashville when it's done in like three to five years. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just the anchor. Um, I know that the, the developing team over there, um, they really believe in the general idea that as they build these things out, they want to have a point of congregation. So when they did the Pont City Market over in Atlanta, they put a coffee shop in there. And then over here in Nashville, they chose to do beer. So, hmm. you know, it was just one of those things where we um, got the opportunity and Will we stay in that building forever? No. As the place grows out, we'll move somewhere else with the inside of the development. But oh, right as of right now, we are just the, the centerpiece where people can come talk about ideas, 
hopefully over some great beers. But yeah, yeah I mean that's the that's the game plan as of right now. That's awesome. It's yeah. a it's a great. I was super excited when we found out Monday night was coming into Nashville because, and we talked about this before we kind of hit record, but. Nashville has kind of always, since we've been distributing, since, since Monday night's been distributing in Nashville, we've had the usuals like we, you know, we had Blind Pirate, we had Drafty Kill, we had, we only recently, probably within the last year or so, gotten Space Lettuce, um, at least in my area where I live. So every single thing that I've had from Monday night, I really like, but we've never had a place to go in Nashville that gets those ones that don't get distributed in cans. So when I go to Monday night brewing and there's 15 or 20 different beers on tap and only a third of them are actually can distributed to my area. To me, that's like a kid in a candy shop. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause I can go in and just be like, I want that one. I want that one. I want that one. I want that well, one. Well, we also have beers that, that we exclusively make just for that location. Um, just cause we think oh. that's fun to have preservation society exclusives. We yeah. have Birmingham exclusives. Eventually, once we have our own production area over there, then, of course, we'll have very exclusive. But um, I think it's important that each place to have its own identity as well as its own soul. We're almost there. You know, once we get production over there, that will be that missing piece. But until then, we just like to make beer specifically for the people of Tennessee when That's we get cool. a chance. Yeah. That's cool. There's the one in Nashville. There's a Preservation Society. There's the uh, garage and then the home base here in Atlanta. And then there's one in Birmingham you mentioned. The Social Club. The Social Club. That's right. Haven't been to nice. that one. The Social Club's rad. It looks like like it's straight out of the 90s. <laughs> like Kelly Kapowski yes. may be serving you a beer over there. I, I like Kelly know. Kapowski. I did too. <laughs> I want to go to there. She seems like a great person. She seems like a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we have, I guess, the next pours. Do we want to jump into those, Let's Mitch? do it, man. Okay. Yeah. Mine is the raspberry variant of uh, Mischief. I'm, I'm blanking on the first part of the name again, like a, a Mischief great Mischief Managed. Mischief Managed. A Harry Potter reference, because life's oh. too short to pretend like you don't love Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> I yes. do. Um, but yeah, that's the raspberry blackberry version. Nice. And I'm then drink, you have... I've what? got the up from below. Ooh, up from below. So the thing about the hot putt, which some people recognize, but um, the hot putt, uh, in the beginning of every year, if you'll go on Spotify, you'll see this. The beginning of every year, I release a playlist oh. of songs. And then throughout the year, I build beers around the songs that are in the playlist. Okay. Just because me personally, I like drinking IPA. I just don't find them to be super stimulating yeah. to make. So I like designing beers around music. Um. So you'll see up from below, that's an Edward Sharp and Magnetic Zeros reference. Life of Illusion is uh, Joe Walsh. Um, so I, all of them have oh. different, they're all paying Very homage cool. to different songs that kind of stick with me throughout the year as I... That one and then now this one. Yeah, any beer I that's believe. in the Hot Put series, you'll see that. And if you want to know which names or which songs you'll see in the future years, you can see that as well because it's like Hot Put Volume 1, Hot Put Volume 2. Hot put. Volume three, and they're hot, all on Spotify. Hot Hut Volume One. If you type in like just Hot Hut, you'll see them come up on Spotify. And I always tell this to people; they're like, "That's a weird way of thinking about beer." And I just find it to be more enjoyable that way, personally. But you know, to each their own. No, I like that idea because I always, I, I've been always jamming to music when I drink beer solo. You know. So this this is right up my alley. I want to listen to your playlist. I think That's there's awesome. I think there's so many correlations, obviously, between you know <clears throat> the arts of beer making, music making, whatever it is. And um, yeah, I just like to design beer around music. This one is neither one of them are. So they're both 
they're both extremely hazy. They're I don't know where they sit hmm. on the. I mean, I, don't, I I'm not a huge knowledge base of like IBUs and things like that, but both of these kind of fit in the New England region in the sense that they're not like stupid dank. They're not really hoppy. They're kind of more sweeter. They're definitely cloudy and hazy tasting. Um, this one tastes a little bit sweeter than the Life of Illusion did. Acidity is a remarkable tool because is that what's coming into play life, here? Life of Illusion is actually sweeter, but because it has that little bit of zip, yeah, zip, it takes away from the presence of you know residual sugar. But um, yeah, I don't like to have like I know that we in the <clears throat> South we do love our sugar, but <laughs> sweet tea, right? <laughs> I don't personally take that approach to our IPAs. I don't think it's a fun way. Now hmm. you always want to hide the flavor of ethanol, and then you know your bitterness and your body, especially in New England, you need to have a sense of body, but. I'm a huge fan of water chemistry, you know, as a, as a, a, a chemist before all of the alcohol. Um, I think that this, I mean, we think about what your beer is, right? 97% water. Mm-hmm. It's a lot you can do with water. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those weird things though. Cause you know, you mentioned earlier, you thought that sour was sweet when it's mm-hmm. extraordinarily dry. And then with these, I mentioned like, this was a little bit yeah. sweeter when in reality it wasn't. I'm like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Yes. No, no. <laughs> but apparently but the, we do not. But, but at the same time, like that's kind of the goal is that you don't want your beers. I don't want our beers mm. to be readily identifiable in their flavors. I do like complexity. Do I want too much nuance? Not always. Sometimes you just want a flavor to slap you in the face. But yeah. for I think for our hot put series for our New England IPAs, we really want to create a canvas that allows those hops to shine. Um, and of course, you know, hazy's not a flavor yet. It feels like it turned into one yeah, really somewhere does. along it's the like way. And so like the, like remember biologically, we as a species, we've, we've trained ourselves over the millennia about how we consume things. You know, we first look at something, then we smell it to make sure it's safe mm-hmm. and then we consume it. So when we think about our beer, so often I'll tell our people that, that work on my team, I'm like, look at the beer. That's the first place you start. Does it look appealing? Does it look appeasing? Is it something that you want to put in your body? Then you smell it. That smell better line up. Sometimes yeah. I've had beers that smell terrible and it tastes greater. You know, ones that smell great and taste terrible. Um, we tried to, like, you know, hit it on all three. So visual, smell, palate. That's the order. But um, smart. I yeah. think with these hazies, it's really important that you land the appearance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about it. But also the appearance is misleading because sometimes you can look at it and you're like, oh, that's going to be thick. Same yeah. way a lot of people do with dark beers. So like, I don't, don't do dark beer. And it's like, yeah, there's like Imperial Stout and then there's a Guinness. But guess what? They look exactly the yeah. same. So, yeah. you know, like, and the flavor obviously is very different. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where it's, I don't want you to be able to look at a beer and know exactly how it's going to taste. And then when you do taste it, I still want you to be confused by what you taste. But not in a way that's because you have found displeasure, but rather it's, you know something more to it i'm good confused yeah yeah good confused <laughs> <laughs> sounds like me daily <laughs> yeah I, I mean definitely correct me on any taste profiles i do because no, i'm here I mean, for that because but, i'm 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 a beer drinker i don't brew it i you know well, i talk what i think i know but <laughs> the, the thing so going into the past yeah. you know the winemaking after i took stepped away from winemaking i said to be a sommelier and I did that for a couple of years with the Atlanta Wine School and some other places in Atlanta. Very cool. So I'm I'm big on the ideas of sensory analysis and how we present and talk about <clears throat> beers, but also mm. your perception is your reality. I'm not here to interfere with that. I think that for people that really care, like you do, about the technical aspects of beer, it's important to help you to identify yes. 
the reality behind a liquid. That way you can pair it up with your sensory evaluation of it. Yes. Because, you know, you, you might feel like you did great on a test, but if no one's grading it, you don't know how well you did. <laughs> exactly. <And Yes>. Allow <laughs> me to be the answer sheet. Um, yes, so I, I, just think it's, I just think it's fun because sometimes a beer is confusing. Yeah. Sometimes a beer is not confusing. If you look at Untap, people are confused. <laughs> well, huh. Yeah, there are all kinds of things in Untap. Yes, I am always curious when yes. this subject comes up. Well, I mean, uh, it's, it, man, I hate hoppy beers. Yeah. 0.5 stars. It's like, why are you drinking an IPA? Then this beer is yeah. perfect. Three point eight. Yeah, we don't even don't even get me started there. We're yeah. not. We're not going deep on. Let's that. Let's just but. suffice to say, every time we bring up Untap when we're talking with somebody, we get the same reaction. <laughs> yeah. Every single. To, to, to say I, I actually like Untapped though. This this is the guilty yeah. pleasure of mine is that it's not the the masochist in me, but there's also like a lot of positive feedback there. I say positive not in the way like oh out of boys, but like stuff that's constructive that where I can actually take that and use it as whether it's a jumping point <coughs> for thinking an idea through or editing or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But there's a lot of good stuff in there, and let's be honest, like we don't make beers for ourselves. True. I think that craft beer, especially here at Bud Brewing, is a relatively selfless task we make beers for everyone else so it's important that we study what people like what they don't like there's always those occasional idiots throughout each one which you just have to take a screenshot and send it to your friends um but look at this know-it-all yeah (laughs) but you know at the same time it's like this is why we put art out there it's to be judged Mm -hmm. you know their interpretation of our art is just as valid as our interpretation of what we're trying to create Hmm. so you know like to each their own Man. And also, fuck that guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that lightning strike from God. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is cool. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yes. So let's change gears a little bit, yeah. Peter. We're looking at quite a lot of beers here. Um, I'm coming off of a couple of IPAs. Mitch is coming off from a couple of Berner, Berliner Weisses. Mm. What goes next in this in this lineup let's clean our palates with okay. a nice german hellas nice i love Come german here. hellas that let me sounds give you guys great some cans yeah you're just gonna have to drink on air okay. thank you thank you thank you oh man so this is the beer we named after the patron saint of dicking off saint monday not <laughs> saint showing Mondays. up to work you know it used Ooh. to be this this tradition you can read more about it but saint monday was the idea of not showing up to work on mondays um Nice. And this is the traditional German Hellas I actually made for my father. He grew up in Germany. He's always been curious about oh. the beers I've been making. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's craft beer. He's like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to make a clean, classic beer, and I thought about him and the production of this. But um, it's a beer, like I said, we just launched this week, and it's just clean, crisp. It really has the expressions of the noble hops and then you know the traditional malts and, of course, water profile that mimics that region and then if you look at it we filter it down to about 0.6 micron so it is just dude it is a crispy boy it's it's super good mitch i went ahead and jumped ahead of the gun it's beer flavored beer oh my god it's super tasty yeah it's great i personally am a huge fan of it obviously because you know i said earlier we make beers for everyone else this is one of those beers that we kind of made for ourselves St. Monday Hellas Lager. I'm looking at the ABV. 4.4. 4.4. Super crushable. I'm telling you, y'all. Y'all would be great at podcasting if you just drank this beer. <laughs> yeah. Good news for you. We're drinking this beer. <laughs> Damn it. We're That's great right. now. We're great now. <laughs> it's bad for your audience, Make a beer I guess. great again, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm relatively new to the Hellas Lager 
kind of team. I actually we did it. We did an interview a few episodes back with um, Big uh, Tenfold Brewing, based out of was it is it Gallatin or is I can't remember. It's in, it's based. They're based in Nashville. They're. Uh Donaldson. Donaldson. They sit in one of those like funky areas between like it's Nashville, but it's not. And uh, they had a Hellas Lager, and that was I'm, I've had them before, but I've never been told what you're drinking is a Hellas Lager. And I took a sip, and I go, "Ooh, this is really weird. It's like beer. You're right. It's beer tasting beer. Like it's it's crisp. It's clean. And I really enjoyed that. And this right here is, in my opinion what took me back to the first time I had one of those Hellas lagers is it's super clean. It's super crisp. It was super crisp and it's tons of flavor. I really like this beer. Is it fair to say it's got kind of a biscuity taste to it? Kind of. I get, I get, that's a weird word to say, but yeah, biscuity might be. He sense. did have one on the way up here <laughs> from the gas station. That's right. <laughs> Shh. Not allowed to say that. <laughs> this is nice. It's super. Me and my Colt wonderful. 45 leave us alone right now. <laughs> <laughs> what was it that we were pouring in our photo? It was a Col- you're on our website, on the Foamy yeah. Heads website, Colt 45. It was a Colt 45. Yeah, Steve Colt. West. Shout out to Steve West. Actually, in Atlanta here. Yeah. Um, so he did some photo work for us. Uh, Mitch knows Steve for a while, and he did some photos, and we're sitting there pouring out a crispy Colt 45, and it's just coming over the top of the glass onto mm. the ground. Yeah. Kind of a play on words, but <laughs> this is this is super good. I would this drink this way yeah. too fast. I'm going to have to take some home with me. I think you should do that. Um, and I have also drank it way too fast. That's what I call R&D. Yes. R&D beer. Yeah, so I'm like, hmm, I need to go do some R&D at home on the couch. But yeah, it's just a fun beer. Dang, I think it's one of those beers that as we explore the, you know, the outer realms of what flavors and beers can be, it's always nice to remind yourself of the classics. Mm-hmm. You know, you should always dance with the girl that brought you to the dance when it comes to you know, beer, this is one of the original styles that like, it's kind of fun to try to tap into that history to understand it, not to put a spin on it, not to make it, you know, like to do your own thing, just to study the art, mm-hmm. you know, be a student of the game. And um, I love getting to make beers like this, especially with some of the modern technology we have. Like I said, it's, it's filtered down to 0.6 micron, y'all. I don't that's know, it might not mean anything to y'all, but in my world, that's as close as you get almost to, you know, sterile filtering is 0.45. I don't know what so that means. So w- one micron, you start, sh- no more yeast left. Okay. So at 0.6 micron, it's just, it's the, it's the crispiest boy. Yes. It's a very crispy boy, but very I'm also, boys. Mm. it just, it just helps you to taste the true flavor aspects of the malt, <clears throat> you know, the yeast mm-hmm. profile without actually tasting the yeast. Um, of course the hops, it's just, it's a very pure expression. It's kind of like if you listen to a song in a noisy car if you listen to a song in a studio you know like right. it just cleans up all the noise Man. no doubt that, that's a great description for this beer yeah <laughs> that needs to be on on tap too no. yeah <laughs> it, it's and and i don't mean this in any way like any negative way shape form form but when i when it pours it i go oh it just looks like a regular light beer mm. Um, and not that, that that can be taken negatively, but that's not how I mean it. But the flavor of this beer, kind of going back to what you said about we want to make sure that it looks good and it tastes good, right? When I look at it, I go, ooh, that beer would be nice and refreshing mm-hmm. on a day like today. But when I taste it, I got so much more out of the taste than what I saw when I looked at it. Because when I looked at it, I was thinking crispy boy, refreshing, 
and that's it. I mean, this glass is full of And this of delivers to that, but it's also, <laughs> com- I mean, it's, it's, it's clean. It's crisp. Mm-hmm. Like somehow this is, this tastes like well, you clean You can truly beer. taste the malts. Yeah. You, you can taste, you know, these like, these higher end malts that we buy to make beers like this, you know, like mm. you can taste, you know, the tetanang and the sazz. You can you really, there's like, just get the bullshit out of the way. And it's called, again, St. Monday. The That's name correct. behind that is... You should look it up. I don't want to Damn, do a disservice. Do the Google. You can read <laughs> about St. <laughs> Monday. Crisp, classic, and clean. Yeah, this is a glass full of history right here to the fullest degree. Full I, just, I, just, I love the art on it, too. Our yes. CMO, Jonathan, you know, he made this stained glass yeah. with the hop on there. It looks like awesome. St. Yes. Monday is the tradition of absenteeism on a Monday. The tradition of taking Monday off has been commonly common among craft workers since at least the 17th century when the work week ran from Monday to Saturday, as had been the custom and expectation for centuries. Nice. See, I, I wish I could take Monday off. I know, right? <laughs> You're right. You wouldn't have been able to say that really good. I couldn't good. have done all of that. No, Wikipedia like, knows better, apparently. <laughs> I just know it's the idea of not showing up to work on a Monday, which I strongly vibe with. <laughs> yes. Don't let that get out too much. No. Amber, weekends are overrated. Weekends are already <laughs> overrated, <laughs> and now so is Monday. Yeah. Monday's always People always ask me, they're like, so you do, do you do all your brewing on Monday? And I'm like... No, <laughs> I definitely don't. No, I mean, that's why we call it Monday Night. We brewing. do one fifth of our brewing on Monday. <laughs> right. That's a fun question to get. I bet. Yeah. How often is that? I wonder. Yeah, where did Monday Night Brewing come from? Is there even a, a yeah, history behind that course, name? Obviously. Oh so, yeah, immense. There's immense amount of history behind it. Um, so we've always wanted like our name to be in service of the story. The story should always be in service of the brand. So Monday Night Brewing came from the idea that Jeff, Joel, and Jonathan, our founders, um, they started, um, they, they met each other in a Bible study that used to meet up on Monday mornings. Like, how masochistic is that? Yeah. And then they're like, this sucks. And so they, two of them got homebrew kits for Christmas from the wives, and then they started brewing on Monday nights after work. Mm. And instead of going home to go change, to get ready for work, they'd go straight from work to go do homebrewing. And they would all had white collar jobs, so they wouldn't even change out of their suits. They would just loosen the necktie and start. Which brewing. is where the logo comes from. There you go. Ah, <laughs> full circle. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. So yeah, oddly enough, started out of a Bible study, and now look at us, just Man. drinking beer too early in the day and um, doing the Lord's work. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to put words in his mouth. But, um, <laughs> I love that. I actually did not know that. I typically yeah. I, I I guess I could have consulted Google to figure that out. But I don't know I'd if we never... share all the stories. So okay. yeah, sometimes you just have to hear it word of mouth. Thanks I for tying that. all that together. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. I saw <laughs> what you did pints. there. Yeah. That's what happens when you drink two pints of sour before <laughs> Hellas Lager. And now something else? Yeah. Let's jump. You want to move over? Let's what are you thinking? Oh, Peter, you're the expert here. You're our spirit guide. For yeah. Monday so we're going to end with the dark decadence. So let's go into cloaks and mirrors. Okay. This is a fun beer. Um, this launches today. So this, this is, is a beer we made back in the garage back in 2019. So this is the first beer to ever make the jump from the garage over to Trabert, to the mothership hmm. for large scale production. Because usually the beers we do at the garage were just, they fit a certain ethos. There's a high risk with them. You know, we wanted to keep them separate from they the larger brand. They stay there. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they get put on the island. Um, get some extra glasses for you. Cool. Yeah. Um, but 
This is a um, tart milkshake IPA with um, Saigon cinnamon, um, an immense amount of Georgia peaches, and um, some Uganda vanilla. And it's kind of to mimic the flavors of peach cobbler getting ready for um, old turkey day. Oh. It smells kind of like Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You smell the gluttony and the family and... Yes. Yeah. Basically Tuesday night for me. <laughs> Very peachy. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yes. Whoa. It's like a tart IPA with cinnamon. Peach. Obviously. Yeah. Peach. And it's just a fun beer. I'm not good at picking out flavors and the, on and the tart artwork. And the artwork is beers. rad. Um, oh, nice. Abby DeWitt, who used to do all of our art for our garage labels, we took the original art and put it onto um, the can, but... um. I love the way there's a show called Utopia. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And like the art is very reminiscent of very the art cool. that's in that show. But um, yeah. Reminiscent. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, it's super rad. We'll post a picture to our account and tag. And I'm wow. sure you guys are posting tomorrow about it then. <laughs> today. <laughs> today. Yeah. Today. Man. Launches in the tap room today. Nice. But um, yeah, it's just a fun beer. Um, is that one on tap right now? It is. Oh, I totally missed that. Okay. I'll take a picture. That's really nice. Man. So what was the inspiration behind that one? Because you said this one started out at the garage location. So um, our wood cellar manager, Tim McDonald, who's a a wizard when it comes to beer, and the guy's just extremely impressive. Um, When we were, we kind of had a stint where we were making a lot of sour IPAs over there. Um, We had a beer called Brevis and Brett Head. Nice. We had a a beer (laughs) called um, Void and Form, and then we had Cloaks and Mirrors. Um, And I did the first two, Brevis and Brett Head and um, Void and Form, and then he was getting inspired by it too. And this is like before we were really approaching the ideas of like milkshake pastry kind of IPAs, but... um, he had the idea, he was like, we had a bunch of peaches left over from another project, and he was like, let's throw some of that in here, let's like make it a little more wild, mm-hmm. uh, maybe get some different bacteria in there. <clears throat> we let it ride, and then um, threw some cinnamon on the end, just because it already had such like a, a fall feel to it. Mm-hmm. And we only made it once, a 30 barrel batch, and it was, it was awesome, and it, it did so well, not just like for our image and for our brand, but like it was just it played into what we believe the garage was you know just experimenting about what beer could be yeah and then over the years we missed it and i questioned never bringing it back and then you know we learned a lot along the way these past few years about how we could make it more safely over here we have different infrastructure that could allow for it back now than we did back then and so we took the approach with a much larger team and a lot better tools since you know this facility has a lot more technology and we made it and I like it more than the original version, which is kind of surprising, but it's just a fun, weird beer. It really is. It's kind of like a peaches and cream almost with a little kick of cinnamon. It's kind of how we view like the peach cobbler, the little bit of whipped cream on top, you know. Very nice. So yeah, I I want to be able to have this as my dessert beer Mm -hmm. um, for Thanksgiving. It's good. That's fantastic. I know. I'm just at the stare at you, so you drink it. He's staring at me again, Mitch. <laughs> drink the okay. whole glass. Right, right, right. Drink. It's like Dune. I just have to use my different voice to make you do something. <laughs> I think it's the same voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting stronger. But nonetheless, nonetheless, I'm doing what I he tells me to do. Stronger. The force is calling you. <laughs> yes. No, that was good. Um, Man, sour, that's awesome. Sour... 
IPA with cinnamon mm. it's and smooth, vanilla. Man. It was good. I'm a big fan. Um, I hope someone here has got a bottle opener. I do. Be weird if we didn't in a brewery. <laughs> it's weird. Sometimes they leave without me. <laughs> yeah, Mitch never leaves without the bottle opener. The bottle opener always ends around. up staying behind. He's got one on I his keychain. Nice. My guess is, as a guy that works in a brewery, you've had to come up with unique ways to open beers if you don't have a bottle opener. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to begin to tell you the ways I've found to open a beer. I don't know if I um, want to know. So this is Imaginary Grace. We alluded to this beer earlier. So this is the beer that came out of our spontaneous program. So at the garage, we have our cool ship, a.k.a. the crunk ship. The crunk ship. And um, this is a blend of three-year spawn beers, so 2017, 2018, 2019, Blended in 2020 and been conditioning since then and was released at the end of September of 2021. So it's almost a five summer beer. Um, True, you know, just like by the book, everything about it, no added CO2, completely studying the history once again, like how we talked about with St. Monday. But um, this is a beer that's what three nights in Atlanta tastes like. It's truly a house (laughs) beer. Like it's to me, I'm just so immensely proud of it just because statistically it shouldn't have worked out. In Southwest Atlanta, yeah. making a spawn beer with all that construction and just, <laughs> you know, just man, but just, it worked. It, it did a thing. Yeah, this was the one that he poured for us. Yes, correct. When we were in Atlanta, I couldn't That's remember right. the name yeah. of it, and you didn't tell me the name of it until now. So that was that actually was, right when we had launched. It mm-hmm. was in Nashville. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Yes. Again, as a guy that typically doesn't go for sour beers, this was the first sour that I had, lambic. Sorry. That I actually finished before Mitch finished his, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm really excited I mean, to drink it again. Today. The nose pulls you in. You smell it. Yeah. You want, you want to taste it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's for us, like, you know, the larger we get as a brewery, I always try to make beers that make me, make us feel smaller. They truly are mm. more of that high end boutique. Um, and, you know, this beer taking, it, when I started this beer, I just got married. When this beer came out, I have a three and a half year old and a one year old. Oof. I'm like, the amount of time that has gone into this beer for it to turn out so well, I'm just so immensely pleased with the team, with you know the atmospheric terroir that Atlanta had to provide for us. Everything about it just lined up, and I gave it the name Imaginary Grace because throughout the years since we opened the garage back in 2017, you know my CFO would always be like Peter what are we doing with that beer that you made? I'm like, it, it will work out. Just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. So I just applied a massive amount of imaginary grace to nice. this beer. And then finally, when we released it this year, you know, we, we've lost so much more money than we would ever make off of it. But I think what we gain is not only a deeper understanding of beer production, but we also gain the respect of beer producers by doing stuff mm-hmm. like this. Cause this is one of the, there's so many beers that everyone's able to do. Everyone can play in the same, same sandbox, but the infrastructure that we did, you know, with the untreated Georgia pine and this living room of a cool ship room, the vineyard and the orchard that we planted to have all the air come through to come in the cool ship room. Like we invested a lot of time and money into this idea and for it to actually turn out, I'm just like, fuck, <laughs> it's great. Yes. <laughs> it's really? a fantastic I product. really like it, man. And also, it's just coming from like my, my old world of wine. It's like 
This is a vintage. This will never make it like this again. This is a once. This is a snapshot in time. This is a one and done for you. Yeah, guys. just just three years working here. No, I mean we'll always do one. Right. Yeah. But but this first blend. This version is going to be different than all the other ones. Always, just due to the variance mm-hmm. that you get. You yeah. Know, when you have spontaneous inoculation, you don't get to decide what lives in your beer. You just hope that it's all beneficial towards the end product. Right. And but um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's so cool to get to do it the ways of the old. You know, the great producers to tap mm-hmm. into that history to be part of that small group. You're seeing a lot of awesome American producers do it as well, and I just think that our contribution to the canon of lambic, or as we say now in the Americas, you know, method traditional, mm-hmm. and to do a, to start with a, a goose or a method traditional three-year, it's just it's kind of a flex, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Good flex at that. Uh, I, I think it's a delicious flex. It's fantastic. <clears throat> yes, we oh. appreciate that one. That one's killer. Yeah, it was. It, Something about the bottle conditioning, too. I really... Oh, yeah. When you let it condition for two years, it better be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's super good. <laughs> we, we, we have the same liquid. We um, Last year, we put on raspberries. So we're doing a framboise version that will be Ooh. released in March. Very and, cool. and, and her name is Faithful Instructions. Faithful Instructions. Yes. We'll have to be on the lookout for that one. Maybe, maybe another trip to, to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be against it. No, it it, it will when way it's tasting right now. I always hate to put this mm. out there, but it will be the best beer we have ever made. Very oh, cool. now we have to come back. I know. As I stare at you, he's staring at me. You have image. to come back. The foresight is there. Back. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or f- foreshadowing, I should say. Either one. <laughs> I don't care at this point. He keeps staring at me. <laughs> he's make, drawing me in. Make him stop. <laughs> make him stop. <laughs> All right, now we're going to go into the land of the dark beers. Yes. The dark side. One thing I've noticed that uh, we strayed from because we are just Moving surrounded through. by yeah. delicious beer is we haven't talked about any of the specifics of uh, vision, nose, <laughs> taste, anything. I'm we're going based on them. what Peter says. He, he's filling in the air on it perfectly so but feel free i'm reminding myself at no, this time absolutely. as well <laughs> i want to like i want to get into <laughs> the, the the beers we have in the time allotted because yes. we got a little bit of time left and i want to make sure i'm getting through them so i'm going based on what peter's telling me all right well whichever glasses are the cleanest let's do those because this is 2021 bourbon barrel drafty kilt so funny story about this beer when i first came on board to monday night brewing back in 2013 um, when we first opened our doors here in January 2013, coming from winemaking, I'd never made beer before. The first beer I ever made was in our 30 barrel system. No home mm. brewing, no nothing. And um, okay. I remember at the time my boss, I was like, I want to put this dark beer into barrels. And I remember the guys here, they're like, Peter, you might not know this, but like, you know, beer doesn't really go in barrels. And that's kind of like, you know, people were definitely barrel aging back in 2013. Okay. It just wasn't a really common practice, oh, okay. especially in Georgia. No one was doing it. So they gave me the budget to get eight Heaven Hill barrels. Oh, and yes. so I scooped them, and that year we put, you know, our scotch air that we launched with Drafty Kilt, Drafty Kilt into those bourbon barrels. And this is before I really understood the industry and, like, the awards and everything. I was just like, you know, like I, was, I, was, I was a stranger in a strange land coming from wine to beer. 
And that first year we entered the GABF, and we got a gold for the wooden barrel age category. Seriously, and wow! I didn't, and I didn't even fully understand what that meant. That's I was like, great. I was like, I was like, oh, cool! Like we got an award, and everyone's like, no, no, dude, you got the yeah, gold you got the award. award for the. And I, as I look back on it now, wow. I'm much more proud than I was even back then. Because back then I was like, oh, cool! Like what's GABF? And everyone's like, <laughs> what do you mean? What what's is GABF? GABF? I was like, cool! Like that's just fun. Like I just, I wasn't like. Yeah, I think I've changed my point of view around metals at GABF now, but um, <laughs> this is one of those beers that we make once a year. Always release it on Black Friday, and it's just a blend of drafty kilt and barrel. Just very simple. Very cool. Nothing about it is unique other than just its execution. It's barrel aged on the nose for sure. Yes, it smells wonderful. Mm-hmm. Just seven-year Heaven Hill barrels, just fresh, just it's just, it's so funny because you can have drafty kill all the time. You know, it's one of our core beers mm-hmm. and you try the side by side with it and you're like, oh damn. It like, adds, that's what that, it adds a whole like. new layer to it. And also just getting some nice Heaven Hill seven years. Yeah. Like, I love the seven year beer. I'm a drafty kilt fan. That was actually the first Monday night beer that I had had was drafty kilt. And I was like, Ooh, this sounds really good. I want to try this. Cause I was on, a, I was on a Scotch ale kick at the time and I was like, I'm looking for a new Scotch Ale, and I was at my local beer shop in Murfreesboro, where I reside, and I was like, Monday Night Brewing. I was like, they're based out of Atlanta, because I'm from Atlanta originally, like Marietta, East Cobb County, and I hadn't been back there. I moved when I was 10 years old, moved to Nashville or whatever, so Monday Night was actually the first brewery that I tried from Atlanta. Before Sweetwater, before any of those, it was like Monday night was the first one I had tried. And I was like, hey, these guys are really good. And the first beer I ever tried was Drafty Kilt. Have never had a bourbon barrel-aged Drafty Kilt before until today. Yay. That's awesome. First time for everything. That's smooth, but it's got that little extra kick to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just eight and a half percent alcohol. Just fun. <laughs> no that big deal. super fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where, where we're going, that is no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, this. the listeners are going to enjoy the end of this podcast. Oh, man. Well, we've got the one left. <sighs> the old stranger danger. Stranger, stranger danger. danger. <laughs> yes. This is 8%, no big deal. Uh-huh. Although I'm starting to feel it by now, but yeah. I have a feeling we're about to get I hope you guys are. I'm just putting you through the gauntlet. This yeah. is great. Bring it. <laughs> It's been a week without beer for me, so mm-hmm. I'm enjoying it. You deserve this. That's Thank right. You. Finishing up our last one here. Yeah, this is Stranger Danger. So we release this every year right before Halloween. Um, this is a bourbon barrel aged and blended imperial stout mm. that has peanut flour and then a metric shit ton of Reese's peanut butter cups. I'm here for that. Every year we always disrupt Cold Stone Creamery supply chain by taking all their broken up Reese's <laughs> peanut butter cups. Um, but you. this is just like a fun beer, truly experiential just to invoke those memories and those flavors of like being a kid again. I love doing beers like I this. I love just peanut butter. <laughs> peanut butter stouts like that's but I'm here for this. Imagine you can mix peanut butter and, and bourbon and then it's like oh it's like it's, it's just it's just delicious so this is um of course a much bigger beer 13 percent um yeah. no worry you're right you weren't playing no big deal yeah no, the yeah. other one there's no big deal come on guys grow up yeah <laughs> grow a pair <laughs> god we were talking about uh uh well peanut butter peanut for days Oh, yeah, try it. Get, Just on give, the nose. Give it a taste. Yeah. You never want it to be too overboard, but... That's just that's like a Reese's cup right there on the nose. You know what? No. It's not like a Reese's cup. 
I don't get Reese's cup out of it. I get peanuts and I get chocolate. Ooh, it's I don't even get better peanut butter. Than I get yeah. peanuts. But the nose is more Reese's peanut butter cup. Yeah, the nose right. tastes like I'm about to just take a scoop but of remember, peanut butter you, and you eat it. You look at your beer, you smell your beer, you taste your beer. Yes. Okay. So I want to get people and look at it like, okay, cool, it's a dark beer, obviously. Smell it. You smell the candy, mm-hmm. right? You smell that memory. Then you try it and you realize that it's more, right? You get yeah. the you, you, you get the bourbon, you get that blended yes. base stout. Oh, this is this great! Is, it's a little more. You complex. get the texture of the peanut butter. It's not just like a lot of peanut butter beers I have. It's they'll, they'll either win you on the nose or on mm-hmm. the palate, but rarely yeah. both. Yes, this one wins on both. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Well, all three really. I mean, visually, all three. it's visually. got that nice caramel kind of like foamy head to it whenever it was poured. Yep. Excuse me. And then it's got like a dark ring around it in this glass. Then yeah. I'm like, mm, okay, you're inviting smell. <laughs> Nose is straight peanut butter cups. <laughs> yes. Straight peanut butter cups. And I guess maybe there is some peanut butter aspect to it in the flavor as well. But the mm-hmm. taste for me is just is peanut and chocolate. Yeah. And it is a very welcome change. That flavor to- profile in this beer is amazing. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. I just love making this beer. And we, we, we always do an event, um, which is mm. always cracks me up. We do an event at the garage whenever we release this. It's called Carve in the Courtyard. It's really like oh, cool. a family-centric, like, you know, like a good place to be, like face painting. You know, people are carving pumpkins. It's a good time. And then we release a beer called Stranger Danger. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so funny to me because I'm like... I'm like, this is a really like this is a really like healthy thing that we're doing, and then it's like stranger danger, thirteen percent diabetes stout. <laughs> Parents are here for it. Kids are like, uh, mom, stranger danger. Um, it's mom, mom, time. why does your pumpkin look like that? <laughs> By the way, I saw the Monday Night Brewing logo on the shirt. You took a yes, picture of it of yes. a, with the jack o' lantern head. Yeah, super killer. Dope. Yeah, the pumpkin. Yeah, king. the pumpkin king. Yeah. This was a good way to end Holy crap. all the beers that we're drinking, too. I think when you said it earlier, but something that we're so immensely proud of here at Monday Night Brewing um, is all the different beers we explore, the styles. We, we find ourselves, we spent a lot of time practicing how to do it all. The thing about being in Atlanta, which is something that originally I disliked. I mean, I'm from Atlanta. I love my city, but I look at all these great breweries, like, for example, Chester King. Someone that truly gets to specialize in something. Mm-hmm. You look at a lot of these hop forward breweries. There's people that really have an identity, um, whether it's because of their demographics around them, what people expect from them, how they've just, you know, stuck to their guns I mean, is what we're doing. But we've always had to produce a little bit of something for everyone because Atlanta is such a transient city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether it's because of the airport or just because of the people that come in and out. But we always had to make a little bit of everything for everyone. All of the time. Yeah. And so over the years, I always, we never got to truly deep dive and focus, have our niche, like have the thing that we do best. And because of that, we were forced to just study a lot, different styles, trial and error, a lot of error, a lot of trial. And somewhere along the way, we started just doing better. And then we became more confident. And then one day you just wake up and you look at your, you know, your shelves or you look at your, you know, your, your bars and you're like, wow, there is literally, it's probably, you know, 26 to 40 different beer styles represented between Amazing. the two tap rooms here in Atlanta alone. And then, of course, you know, 24 taps over in, uh, in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we have got almost 32 in Birmingham. Wow. Same thing. It's all just different styles of beers. Um, we try not to have too much of the same styles on at any time, but... 
think Urban Chestnut is another brewery that does that really well over in St. Louis. It's one of those places I walk in there and I'm like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> once again, just this, this, the children of ADHD. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're like, <laughs> yes. I got to try all these different things. <laughs> like, I just want to go make it. Yeah. And so I think that our exploration of beer and our inability to just be one thing has ended up becoming one of our superpowers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm really thankful for the, the forced growth that we had to experience in that realm just because people were like, do this, do that, do this, do that. Not just like do your own thing. Um, like I said, we make beers for everyone else. And in Atlanta, as we know, it's extremely diverse. Yeah. And there's a lot of people and they all want something different. And I think that's awesome. You're held to a certain standard. I would hope Whether so. or not you like it, you're held yeah. to a standard. Well, we hold ourselves to a standard that is much <clears throat> higher than the consumer holds us to. That's apparent um, though. That's yes, it's very apparent because yeah. I've heard nothing but good news in Nashville living there. Everyone that uh, has went to Monday night has enjoyed it because there's something they can get. Yeah. It's so. awesome. Good. It's working. Ha <laughs> ha. Yes. Yeah. Plus they love the your space. team did a good job. <laughs> the yes. team did a great job. That is right. If any beer individually sucks, come hit me up. Don't hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, typically in, in, in the last segment, we like to kind of give you an opportunity just kind of like, this is the last 30 seconds, minute or whatever plug for something that you want to do. So whether it's something that's on the horizon or something that you want to plug in, this is just 30 seconds to a minute of you talking about what you want to talk about so not trying to put you on the spot but is there something that you want to talk about that we haven't mentioned today oh that's an odd question but i'm sure i could create an answer um i think that when i do these things when when i get to talk about our work when i get to be like nostalgic think about where we've been and where we're going i i feel an immense amount of gratitude um I think for a lot of years we were just a sleeper, you know, we just put our head down and we didn't really make any ripples and over the past few years we've gotten to do really exciting stuff. We have, you know, high profile collaborations, we win awards, we have an amazingly diverse team with like like super high acumen. Mm. And I think that as we move forward, you know, like I think the craft beer landscape is getting weirder and weirder by the day. Yeah. Um, I think that you're seeing like I mean yesterday, you know, Bells is acquired, right? Right. Yeah. And I, and we I, saw and that article. And I, and I think that you know, like, everyone's like, the emotions that we possessed <clears throat> in the last five years of craft beer, the high highs, the low lows, I think that as craft moves forward, it's going to change a lot. And we, as the people that have been the students of craft, being a part of that, that one of the most pure times in craft, the growth, mm-hmm. the, this, the 2014 to 2020 was probably one of the most exciting periods that you'll ever see. In, 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 a, in a craft segment, let alone craft beer. I mean, like, so it's like, so as we move forward, like, I hope that whatever we do as our company, whatever we do as an industry, I hope it's as fun as it has been. And I hope that people continue to trust us regardless of where the road takes us and that ultimately we just like get to keep practicing making great beer for great people. And um, yeah, I just feel very thankful for the opportunity to be able to do that for my home state of Georgia and this great city of Atlanta and for our friends in our outside states as well. Thank you. And to meet cool people like y'all. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having us today and being such a great host. Uh, we're humbled. Yeah. Thank you. I just got you guys shit hammered. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean by humbled. Humbled humbled meaning shit this. Look at this graveyard of empties. We went through the gambit for sure. You You guys, you guys, Clearly, fear is not a factor for you no. too. You have survived no. the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate it. We can't, we can't thank you enough, Peter. I know it's 
we've been talking to you ever since we met you at the Preservation Society in Nashville and just kind of were taken back by the gratitude that you showed us when we stepped into that into the brewery in Nashville, or I should say the the brew pub. Mm. Um, but it's just been a good time, and you know we've I've always enjoyed Monday night. Mitch has always enjoyed Monday night brewing. Having the location in Nashville has been great, but being able to come full circle from the time that we started enjoying Monday night brewing to being able to meet you in Nashville. And then coming back down to Atlanta to be able to talk with you in person and kind of go over all the beers and stuff like that. For us, it's just been a, a good time and a pleasure. So we really appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, we're, in Nash- we're in Atlanta for the next couple of days. Um, Monday night was definitely the first stop. And this was something that we wanted to do. So we're grateful for Peter mm-hmm. uh, to come through for us. Um, Mitch, any last words? My speech improved as we drank more. No, it didn't. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it did. You got Mine better got looking. Worse as we drank you more. just got better looking. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank you, you, thank you. There's, there's, those eyes, man. Those yeah, eyes are pulling say, me in. Yeah. <laughs> the Peter Steele. The Peter Stare. It's like Zoolander, but better. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a good time. We have a lot of beers to look forward to. Um, I think we're going to stay around at Monday night for a little while and enjoy some beers at the bar. Good. Um, so it's just a good time in general, Peter. We appreciate you thank I you so much y'all. man yes, Mitch it's been you. a good time yes it's been a great time we're going to continue to stay beer here if you are not drinking beer start drinking beer if you are drinking beer keep drinking beer if you've never had craft beer before and you're in the Atlanta area or if you're not in the Atlanta area pick up Monday night at your local beer shop because you will not be disappointed and we will see you guys on the next episode cheers cheers